Church of the Cross, and welcome back to the Ninth Avenue Nine. This is your host, Joel Bascom, pastor of Connecting and Equipping. It's March, that most predictable of months in Minnesota. It can be 70 above or 70 below, on the same day, no less. Yep, Minnesota in March. I hope you are having a blessed Lenten season and that you are looking forward to celebrating Easter, even with the restraints we have. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Ninth Avenue Nine is a podcast where we get to know members of our community. Here's the basic premise. Each guest on the show will be asked what nine albums they would take with them if they were locked in the basement of our church on Ninth Avenue for one year. As we head more towards spring, I hope these podcasts are lightening things up for you all. I know it's a heavy time, so I hope this show can be a source of levity and joy. Before we get into our first episode in March... I got my first email ca- emailed castaway list. I got an email from Thea Kuning, one of our members in the youth group, sharing her nine albums along with her book and luxury item. They are, in no particular order, Lungs by Florence and the Machine, Atlas Enneagram by Sleeping at Last, The Hamilton Soundtrack, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by Arctic Monkeys, Legends Never Die by Juice World, Artemis by Lindsay Sterling, Book of Secrets by Lorena McKennett, Flood by They Might Be Giants, and The Fellowship of the Ring soundtrack. The book she would take with her is The City of Joy by Dominique Lapierre, and the comfort item is a blanket. Thanks to my goddaughter, Thea, for sending in her picks. As usual, I have prepared another Spotify playlist featuring cuts from Thea's picks, I have begun to dip my toe in, and there's some great stuff on there. I will say that most of the music I was not as familiar with, so that was great for me because I love to hear music that's new to me. If hearing all this gives you a music talk hankering, I would love to talk with you about your picks. Email me at joel at ofthecross.org, and I can set up a Zoom call with you. Or you can follow Thea's example and email me your picks if my microphone is too frightening. So, as I mentioned before, it's March. When I started interviewing people, I could not think of anyone that would be more appropriate to have be on the show during March than my guest on today's show. 18 years ago this month, she came into the lives of my wife Stephanie and I, and it has been a joy to see her grow up and watch her love of music grow. I hope you enjoy listening to the pics of my daughter, Corey Bascom. Check out her playlist. It's got some great stuff on it. With that, let's listen in and hear Corey's pics. So today I'm going to be talking with somebody who is very easy for me to interview, and that is my daughter, Corey Bascom. Say hello. Hi. Yes. So I want to go through the ground rules with you. You probably have heard about the ground rules. Have you not? I have. Yes. But because of the fact that this is a very, very hard and fast Mm -hmm. sort of show, Mm -hmm. I need to make sure I'm going through the ground rules again with you. So first of all, you're going to be locked in the basement of the church on Ninth Avenue for a, for a year. You'll have food because there's a kitchen there, thankfully. It's very nourishing food in the yes. church. Yes, absolutely, kitchen. absolutely. Um, you will be able to take nine albums with you, which I see you have a list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you will also be able to take one book with you and one luxury item. You got all that? Yep. Okay, Corey. So Corey, for those of you who don't know, is my daughter. 
Um, I don't know exactly everybody who listens to this podcast. So for those of you who don't know, Corey is my daughter. So Corey, uh, I know all about where you grew up because I was there. Um, But why don't you tell everybody where you grew up, where you were born, and then we'll start talking about your music. Well, I was born in Evanston, Illinois, um, which is near Chicago. Um, And we only lived there for like... Obviously, I don't remember. I was a baby. But we lived there for a little while, and then we did move to the L.A. area after a little while. Um, that's where one of my brothers was born. And then, after living in L.A. for a little while, we moved here to Minnesota. That's where my youngest brother was born. Um, and I've spent most of my conscious memory is here. I do remember a little bit from L.A., Um, but most of my, I definitely think of Minneapolis, Minnesota as my home Mm -hmm. and this is where I've grown up. Yeah. And would it be fair to say that music has played a, a somewhat small, a somewhat medium or a somewhat large uh, part of our family life? Uh, I would say it's a very large part of our family life. We have three musicians in this house and we have five music lovers mm-hmm. um so my brothers and i play instruments um and then all, all five of us enjoy listening to music so we have a very music filled home i would agree i've always wanted it to be that way so um let's get to it then I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh what your picks are as well as what your luxury item and the book that you have is so Corey hesed bascom what is your first album pick for the Ninth Avenue Nine? Well, I'm I've got kind of a weird um, album situation because um, some uh, at least one of these is going to be classical music, which the album format for that is a little bit different. It's basically just whatever these people decided to record at you know a get at a given time. Um, so. I'm kind of going with, like, the piece and then which, like, the performer of it that I most enjoy. Um, so the first one for me would be the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, um, performed by Itzhak Perlman um, and David Zinman leading the New York Philharmonic. Okay, so um, was this a, a recording of that that you saw, heard? Where did you first hear it? To be completely honest, uh, I love Itzhak Perlman's um, playing of Mendelssohn. So basically, whoever I could find who la- played with him, that that was that was all I needed. Sure. Um, and but I I love the Mendelssohn Concerto. I have played it, um, but I had I'd always wanted to play it when I did play it, and it's just my one of my favorite pieces ever. Um, and I love the way Itzhak Perlman plays it. I won't get too nerdy on everyone here, but I just, <laughs> I just love the way he sounds, and it's just awesome. Yes, it is a wonderful piece, and um, I have had the privilege of listening to you play it, and I've had the privilege of seeing, uh, not in person, Itzhak Perlman play it. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you listening at home, which I don't know where else you would be listening, but at your home, I suppose in your car or whatever, there is a nice little ancillary piece of trivia about Itzhak Perlman that is related to my daughter. And what would that be? Um, you have something. Oh, yes. I can. I was thinking this is what you were talking about. I, <laughs> I have his autograph, mm-hmm. um, which was um, 
obtained for me. I don't remember exactly how, but my uncle um, has played. He has played with the LA Phil before. He subbed with them before, um, and he was able to get a hold of his autograph for me. And one of my my one of my favorite things about it is he autographed it and he wrote "Practice slowly" mm-hmm. with the autograph. And I've I've never never forgotten that. Um, it's so like whenever I'm like practicing and I'm doing it slowly, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what, what you talk from and told me to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, uh, you know, since this podcast does end up getting shared with family, we will mention Charles Kuntz, my mm-hmm. brother-in-law, who is uh, Corey's uncle who obtained it. He is a tubist, uh, and he has played with the LA Phil and lots of places. So thank you to uncle Charles for mm-hmm. obtaining that autograph. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really, really good start. What can I say? Holy, mo- holy moly! <laughs> what, what is your uh, second album? My second one is uh, a little bit similar. The second one um, is the Enigma Variations by Sir Edward Elgar. I promise you guys, this isn't all going to be classical. Not, not all of it. But um, if it were, then it's it's your <laughs> year being banished, so you can you can take whatever. <laughs> music you want um but so the enigma variations um again i i just i love the piece and i'm not quite educated enough to have like listened to tons of orchestras and have a super great uh you know well-rounded opinion but um i so i love the enigma variations i have actually played i played it with my orchestra a couple years ago and it is such a fun piece because it's like it's basically like the composer like writing like basically musical sort of imitations of like all of these different friends that he had mm-hmm. and one of them one of them's his wife there's another one that's like his friend's dog you know they're mm-hmm. like it's it's but and it's like there are some obviously that are like really funny and lighthearted, and then there's one that's really really famous it's nimrod and i i I'm almost certain you've heard it before, um, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> well, I know I have heard it. Yes, you've heard those it. Those <laughs> of you listening at home, and to, as a, as a sub note, that those of you who, who are listening at home, we will be including uh, a Spotify playlist with this 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 podcast, and I'm sure that Nimrod would be a very appropriate entry from that. Would you say? Ah, uh, yes. The yes. Nimrod variation, as it's called. They, yeah. Each of the variations of the Enigma variations have either a nickname or initials of the person that it's based on. Mm-hmm. And Nimrod is a lovely piece. And those of you listening, you have heard it almost certainly because it's that famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's often played sort of like... It's usually played for like uh, memorial mm-hmm. things, like if you know, like for to memorialize like um, World War Two yes. people and stuff like that. So, a funny little story about that. Um, I won't give the entire background because it would be a little bit sad, but. A funny story. When you played the Enigma Variations <laughs> yes. at the the uh, the Orchestra Hall in downtown Minneapolis, uh, right when your whole orchestra was about to go into this very very moving and very very uh, heartfelt part of the Enigma Variations, somebody's phone went off. Right. Which my conductor was didn't look very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He he handled it like a pro yes, and there yeah. we went. Yeah. At least it wasn't like in the middle of it or like yes. at the end. Like the best time for that to happen would have been before because sure. at least it wasn't like 
you know, here we're in the middle of this grand pause and someone, like, you know, a dog starts barking or something, like... So, Corey, that's a great, that's very, very strong first couple. I have to say, knowing you as I do, it doesn't totally surprise me that yeah. those two uh, pieces yeah. would be on your list. It'll yeah. be interesting to see if any of these nine, if any of them surprise me. We'll see. What's number three? Um, number three is um, True Sadness by the Avett Brothers. Um, oh, okay, cool. That's, that's a nice, okay, well, not a total surprise. I know you like that album, but yeah, that's a good one. The, you know, yeah, tell us about that. Um, so I've, the Avid Brothers is kind of our family, um, <laughs> band, uh, obsession slightly. Um, we're, we all love them and, um, I've, I've always been a big fan of sort of the more, um, this, the simplicity of their sort of, um, music. I mean, True Sadness actually is not is not as simple as some of their earliest music, but I just I love they're like you know they're pretty simple just like they're they sing and they you know just play and they play like guitar and banjo and they usually have like fiddle and cello in there and I I just really like their their sound and since they're brothers they they sound really good together um they're very very gifted singers and they and just, you get the feeling that they've been singing together for some time yes yes they sound really really good together and yeah. true sadness i think um i love lots of the Avery brothers music but i think that's the one that hits on like the most songs of theirs mm -hmm. that i like um uh, my favorite one from there, obviously, is No Hard Feelings. Um, obviously. Which, if you haven't heard that, you need to go listen to it. Sure. Perhaps another <laughs> entry on the Spotify playlist will, it will be, maybe? We'll yes, see. yes. Yeah. Um, so and to a note to that, as a Navit Brothers nerd, because I'm your dad, that is, at this stage in their career, that is the song that they close every concert with. Mm -hmm. They have decided to make that their closing song at every concert that they do. Yeah, and I just love, I think one of the things that I really like about them is just sort of their, um, their sort of their boldness in their songs, sort of through their lyrics, just kind of boldly exploring, like, just kind of how they feel about life in general. You know, it's just very honest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not, like, very, like... It doesn't make a lot of, like, sense all the time, because what's going on in our brains doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but I like that about them. Sure. Do you have any... What are a couple of the other favorite songs from that album? You mentioned No Hard Feelings. What what about... What other ones? Well, I love um, Ain't No Man, which is, like, the opposite of No Hard Feelings. It's, yeah. like, super, you know, upbeat. Whenever they play it at um, concerts, they've got the whole crowd, like, stomping and clapping mm. and, you know... Um, and uh, another one that's kind of weird that I like it, but I really like um, Divorce Separation Blues... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a weird song for me to like as a teenage girl, but I just, I don't know. I just, I just like the way it sounds, and I just, I mean, as you can probably guess, it was written by one of them after he got divorced, and um, it just, and it's sort of this, it kind of has kind of a cheerful sound to it. Like, the song itself sounds kind of happy. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously the lyrics are really sad and just sort of the, like I said, just sort of, I like just the way that they're, 
exploring this stuff that's that's hard and yeah yeah that is a good song uh they don't play it live a whole lot because it's yeah. not exactly a big rousing well, and he's uh, crowd remarried pleaser, now and he's remarried, so yeah. <laughs> all right well Corey, that is a really really uh, strong first three entries i can't wait to hear the rest Now, before we get going on the next few albums of your list, I wanted to ask you, um, do you have, like, with these picks, what period of life would you say? You're, you're almost 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular part of your life that these picks sort of tend to revolve around? Are they more when you're older? Do they vary through your life in terms of different stages? Um, These are mostly... Um... I'm looking at them right now. Almost all of these are sort of dispersed throughout my teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have um, one or two that are more like uh, one in particular from when I was little that are that were that was a big favorite when I was little that I felt like was formative enough um, that I. It will always definitely have a special place in my heart. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, mostly these are, like, from, like, the begin from high, from throughout high school, as I'm realizing that I'm finishing high school soon. Yes, um, I kind of just the high school sort of experience. Oh, good. What's number four, then? What are we- so number four is um, a obscure musical called Hamilton. Oh yes, yes. I think was it off Broadway <laughs> or off 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 Broadway? Yes, it was, <laughs> you may or may not have heard of it. Yeah. Um, this one actually, you got me started on. I did. Because by the time I, by the t- when you first introduced me to Hamilton, I was very much in a extremely prim and proper phase where I only ever listened to classical music. Yes, we've tried so hard to get you out of the prim and proper phase. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people have that problem with yeah, their teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, so I was not really uh, interested at all um, in Hamilton when I heard about it. Um, but you told me a little bit about it and then you played some of it for me. And I mean... It was so, like, not what I was used to um, that I was just kind of like, eh, okay, you know, I, I listened to it and I was like, this is this is interesting. It's not really what I'm used to. But, and th- but then, like, a lot of people I knew really liked it and were listening to it. And so I started listening to it more. And I think um, I just started falling in love with um, kind of the way that, um, that it was written. And I just loved um kind of the way I got into the musical was like I loved the voices of the three there are three main um female characters in Hamilton and they're they're sisters the the Skylar sisters yes um and the three of them just have the most amazing voices Mm -hmm. like so so beautiful and I just remember um and I loved the songs because that 
um, two of them in particular have their have um, a song that is just them singing, and I I loved those songs so much. And so then I started to kind of from that kind of explore explore the rest of the musical. Yeah. To the point that it developed into an obsession. And then when we watched, and then when it came out like on Disney Plus, and you could watch it, um, I was like weeping because I was so excited to be watching it like with the whole like you know original cast and just see and it made it made it come alive in new ways because all of these people were just amazing actors and amazing singers and amazing everything so they were all like you know just their their facial expressions and the way they played their characters was just Awesome. Yes, absolutely. And uh, a quick note for those of you keeping score at home, uh, just like Pastor Christian had to mention about <laughs> some of the content of his album, I think he, he especially was talking about the replacements. Uh, there are some, there is some language, some themes yeah, yeah, on Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. So for those of you who language. are parents, if you are, you know, we don't condone every word or every idea, but it is a, a lovely musical and very, very much of its time. Uh, I think it came out in 2014, 2015. 25th yeah, I yeah. think. And it's obviously become now a, an enormous part yeah. of American culture. And it's, I think that I just love that now like everyone of my generation I saw a meme about this everyone of my generation is gonna have like really weirdly specific knowledge about Hamilton mm-hmm. and his life yeah um and yeah so and favorite song from the musical I mean you you get this is a big album I mean you're getting like you're doing a you're being very strategic here because as taking the Hamilton album you're really you're getting a, a, getting a, a good of couple songs. of hours worth yeah, of music yeah, so that's yeah, that's very yeah. very very wise but what what what's your favorite song um man um i think my favorite song this is actually now that i think about it the first one i ever heard um and you played it for me was is um dear theodosia yes dear, dear theodosia a song for those of you who don't know a song that features Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton singing to their children. And it, it and I think I actually told you, if I'm not mistaken, when I played it for you, that this song, better than any song I'd ever heard, sums up what you feel like when you have a baby. Yeah. When you are a parent of a little baby. And I just, he played it for me, and I just started weeping. Like, yes. I was crying so much because it was just this... This is so tender. And, like, the idea, kind of, one of the things about this musical is that these two men are very... Um, uh, you know, competitive, like, you know, um, sh- you know, they're very, they're both very, like, you know, com- they're very, um, oh, what's the word? Like, really, they're really, like, competitive and, like, you know, they're not, they're not everybody's favorite, you know, and they can be really, especially Hamilton can be pretty abrasive. Yes. But there's this, this moment um, of just the, uh, this absolute tenderness where they're mm-hmm. both seeing their brand new babies and, mm-hmm. you know, talking about like, you know, we're, if we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you and you'll blow us all away. Yes. Like just this, 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 this sweetness and this utter pride. It's just, it's it just is. the best. It's lovely. What's number five, Corey? Number five is, um, Les Miserables. Um, wow, you're doing it again. You get another like two or three hour record. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And another is another, another Broadway musical, um, also pretty well known. Which version of Les Miserables? Um, 
That is have a particular very, year? very difficult because there's, like... With Les Miserables in particular, I have, like, really strong opinions about, like, lots of individual singers. Yes. So, like, there are some versions where, like, there's one singer that I can't stand, but I like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I would go with, um, I don't remember which version it is, but you lent me, like, a CD. I think it was, like, the original, like, in, in like, was Britain, it, maybe? Was it the original cast, 10 years, at the 10-year anniversary? I don't know, but it was, like, but it was, but it's, I think that one's my favorite, um... That was the one that was, like, my original introduction to that one. I don't like the singer for Eponine in that one, but that's yeah. a whole nother story. Um, and But I think that that one's probably my favorite just in terms of the general um, the general cast. Um, yes. And I just, I that's the one, that was how I first, I'm a big Broadway person now, but I wasn't always. Mm-hmm. And this one was my first, like... My first Broadway musical that I was, like, just so into and, like... Mm-hmm. And I liked it because um, it sort of had... It's not classical music, but, like, it had sort of that feel to it mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, there are versions, like, you hear, like, from, like, the 80s where they, like, you know, really crank up the synthesizer for it, yes. which is mm-hmm. interesting, but... Um, for the most part, it's a pretty, it's honestly a little bit of an operatic sounding yeah. piece, um, or piece, uh, musical. So it's, so that was kind of how I got into Broadway, and it's just, it's always going to be a favorite, and we actually went to see it um, yes. when it was at, was that at the Orpheum? It was at the Orpheum, and a couple of people from our church went with us. Yes. want to give them a shout out? Yes. Um, uh, Helen Kuning and Thea. Yes. Um, they came, they came with us to watch it and it was, it was a Christmas present for me and it was just, it was so fun and I, I wept so much at the end. <laughs> You're going to hear a theme of <laughs> tears because that's how I express that I like, you know, music. But it's it's just it's a good and this one also unfortunately not as much as Hamilton but does have few content. It's very yeah. sad. It's a very yeah. serious. Uh, but drenched story, drenched in Christian faith and Christian yes. uh, just beautiful themes of redemption. Oh yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. themes of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it is one of the most palpable, palpably Christian thematic stories that I've come across. Yeah, I would say that that is definitely true. There's a definite, there's a definite theme of like, you know, of especially kind of in one of the characters in particular, this theme of like, of experiencing mercy and then uh, learning how to show mercy. Yes. um, Later on in life. And what's the great line that the bishop says to Jean Valjean at the beginning? Is the Which I have one? bought you to. You know, yeah. I have bought your soul for God. I have bought your soul for God. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah. yeah. It's very, very, very. Well, very and then good, he's like beautiful. talking about like the witness of the martyrs and the by the witness of the, the martyr by the passion and the blood. It's like it, there's just there's yeah. so much like and it's mm. honestly so, yeah. so like honestly encouraging to listen to. Yeah. All right. What's number six? Number six um, is Mahler's First Symphony. Um, oh, which okay. is <laughs> any particular recording? 
Um, I actually do have a very specific recording for this one is, um, Daniel, this is technically live, but it's a YouTube video. Um, Daniel Harding, um, and the Royal Concertgebouw Orchestra, um, in Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Yes. Um, and the reason I like this one is if you've ever seen me play, you know that I'm not like a, um, robotic. Yeah. You're, you're known for your stoicism while playing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I really like about this recording yeah. is like just the clear investment that like the conductor, which is not unusual for conductors, but like the conductor is really clearly having a lot of fun and the whole orchestra is like, is also clearly having a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. orchestra, orchestral players love Mahler because it's like Mahler, Mahler is just like one of the like glowing examples of orchestra music um but and his symphonies are all like six or seven hours long as i recall well first symphony is only one hour <laughs> it's only one hour. um but i am i was playing this um this fall and obviously it's not as it should be because i was having to like go to um rehearsal with like everyone you know super spaced out and you know we all had to wear masks and we couldn't have the whole orchestra in there at one time but um it's definitely, I'm going to remember this time of life for sure, um, listening to Mahler. Yeah. But, oh man, it's just, it's so, it's so beautiful and... I need to dust that off. I have a copy of it on CD and I haven't listened to it in a long, long time. Maybe we could listen to it together. Yeah, and so. I actually, because of, I was learning it in orchestra, so I'm learning, I'm obviously learning a lot about it. And um, one of the things that I learned was that he, especially in the first symphony, kind of stitched together lots of different elements of his childhood okay. to sort of create the sound that he did um, and sort of the different themes and stuff. Like, you hear... I remember hearing parts of it and, like, thinking, like, wow, that part sounds, like, really... Like, there's one part of it that almost sounds like Fiddler on the Roof, like, um, okay. in terms of, like... It sounds, like, Jewish almost. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and then there are different parts of it that don't that sound like completely different yeah. and they sound like all, you know, German and stuff. So I, and I was like, what, what's, what's with that? Um, and I learned that he had a very, like, he had a childhood that was kind of in a, in like lots of different, uh, cultures were sort of melded, melded because yeah. of where, you know, where he lived and where he grew up. So. All right. Well, heck. The six songs. So, so far, we have three classical pieces. <laughs> yes. We've got two Broadway pieces and one, I guess, I don't know, the Avett Brothers would be considered, I suppose, rock pop. So, I am really, really excited to hear your final three albums. Uh, but first, we'll take a little break and we'll get back to your final three albums and what else you're going to take with you to the basement. Welcome back from that very short break that we just had. Mm -hmm. um, so before we get into the last uh, three albums and then the book and luxury item you're going to take with you, uh, just wanted to quickly ask, um, what was your reasoning behind the albums you picked? Uh, did you have a, a particular philosophy going into it? Some people pick things because 
they mean the most to them. Some people pick things because they want, you know, certain different genres. What was, did you have any particular reasoning behind how you organized your list? Um, well, the order is just not, the order doesn't matter. It's just, um, it's just kind of the order that I thought of them. Um, but the kind of the, the way I thought of like how I wanted to, um, pick, um, is I am, I have become a pretty eclectic listener. Um, and so I kind of wanted to pick the different genres, like, in proportion to how much they are a part of my life. Okay. So if you know me, you know that classical music is rather important, um, in my life. Yes. And so that, that's kind of the reasoning behind the, all the, all the classical stuff. And, um... And then I also had, you know, I love Broadway, and Broadway is a big... I think for me, if I was in the church basement, I would honestly be really depressed because I would be all by myself. So I'm trying to find things that would, like, um, that would, like, kind of help me, like, be sad, but then also there is stuff that, like, will make me feel more happy and, yeah. like you know, ready to deal with the fact that I'm still going to be in the basement by myself for a while. You yeah, because at least Les Miserables ends happy. Kind of, well, well I, I wouldn't say that. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're blue, there's parts of Les Miserables that are probably not, are going to, are probably going to drive yeah, you I mean, farther down. Les Mis is not really one that I would listen to if I was, like, <laughs> depressed. Not the were, one to bring out during the lonely times. Yeah, but if I was, like, I don't know, just needing some, like, because there's, like, there's some music that's, like, that just makes you happy. Yes. And then there's some music, like Les Mis, that's, like, makes you happy in a different way. <laughs> sort of in a nourishing way. Yeah, sort yeah. of, yeah, exactly. It's more, it's more nourishing than, like, you know, this just makes me super glad to be alive kind of thing. Um, you know, so. Cool. Well, so what's number seven? What, we're, we're, we're on the last third. Number seven um, is... Uh, not music actually. It's um, it's sort of an audiobook. Mm -hmm. Um, it's uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, which is a book that, as I'm sure you know, is written by C.S. Lewis. And I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when we, when my brothers and I were younger, uh, I mean, I think we still have these. We just don't listen to them as much anymore. Um, we had a set of like all the all the Narnia books. Um, that had been, like, made into, like, radio dramas. Yes. So they had people reading the parts, there yes. were sound effects, just the whole thing. And I just picked The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because I think, besides, like, you know, picture books, it was, like, the one of the earliest books that I remember, you know, really loving and really, you know, being influenced by. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood pretending to be Susan, you know, running around shooting arrows and... Yes. And so and this so this one is just like And sometimes you would shoot arrows when you weren't pretending to be Susan. That's true. You just shoot arrows. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, thankfully I didn't have access to a whole lot of yes, it's dangerous good. Yeah, things. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Corey had a very passionate streak about her from a young age. <laughs> yes. So that's so that one would be there just because it's like, you gotta have something. Yes. I think for me, especially because I'm a pretty sentimental person, you need something, something that kind of reminds you of what it was like to be a small person. And especially for me, childhood was just such a, like, you know, a time of, like, stories and lots of imagination and, 
uh, honestly, like magic. You know, oh, like, I'm glad. I'm glad you remember it that way. So I and makes me feel nice as your dad that you. Yeah, remember it yeah. That so way. and I think that the there are lots of there are lots of things that capture that, but I think that this one, this is a really really good one. Yeah, and I believe it was. For those of you keeping score at home, I believe it was a focus on the family yep, record. Yeah, it was focus on the family. And yes, and Douglas Gresham, C.S. Lewis's stepson, actually had a part in it. So yeah. It, it, yeah. He, like, hosts it. Like, mm-hmm. he talks before and after. And it just it just made... C.S. Lewis is kind of one of the authors in our, in our household that's sort of just a, got, like, a constant, like... Uh... Definitely a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. What's number eight, Corey? Okay, number eight. I, I'm aware of how egregiously uncool this makes me. But um, <laughs> my number eight... Well, I already knew that, of course. <laughs> number eight is um, an album by Taylor Swift um, called Red. Like, the color. Got it. Um, and I am, frankly, very... I really, really like Taylor Swift. This She's, yes. like, one of the few, like... I've never, as I said, I've never really been into, like, super poppy um, music. That has only happened um, during quarantine. I've had opportunities to, like, explore a lot more I believe music. some friends have turned you on yeah, a few things. Yeah, I, yes. I, I had some friends um, recommend Taylor Swift to me, and I listened to it, and I was just struck by um, how... Um, relatable it was i think that a lot of a lot of the other music that i have on here and a lot of the other music that i listen to is like very deeply intellectual and like you have to think about it a lot while you're listening yeah and i just found like listening to taylor swift just being just sort of like it was just like ah like this sort of like more like approach to like being a young person of just like just under, just feeling like someone understands, you know, like, you know, just having this, cause she wrote, she wrote this music when she was very young. She, she became famous pretty, pretty young. And so she was, she was writing this stuff when she was still a young person. And so it's very clear she, that she kind of, she gets it, you know, and. And safe to say at this point, uh, one of the probably top five or 10 most popular you know, performing artists, she is or at least pop artists in the world. She's so. extremely popular, yeah. and um, and this one, and this one is actually one that um, that's kind of uh, she kind of as probably most people know, she started out as a country musician, yes, and then sort of transitioned to being a being really a pop, just a pop star. Um, this one is sort of more towards the country ish. Uh, <laughs> era but it's kind of in the middle um it's not full on pop but it's kind of it's kind of in between so and i am kind of like with the avett brothers i love lots of her music but this was the one that i felt like had the most um i think the one the one that i really like from this one is there's a it's it's a famous song it's called 22 um and even though i am not 22 i there's just it's just about like you know uh, having a girls' night out with friends and yeah. just like, you know, fooling around and you know, just very relatable. Yeah, and it was—it's just like a fun one for me, you know, since I do often go out and you know frolic with my friends yeah. before COVID anyway. Um, and <laughs> the time will come again. So um, that just kind of the the feeling of that is just—it's well, just, well, it's just cool. fun. Very and good. that's one that's totally just like. If I'm stuck in the basement, I'm sad. I want something to make me happy again and just, you know, not, like, 
not the kind of happy where I'm still sad, like William is, but like the, but like just literally just happy, you know. Cool. All right, so we are through eight albums. You have made some some really great picks. What is your final pick for the basement? The final one is going to seem kind of narcissistic, but it's not narcissistic. Not narcissistic. It's um, there's kind of I don't know exactly what format it's in, but there's like a, a there are recordings available of um the season like that got cut off uh, by COVID. Of um, the youth orchestra that I was in, which and tell everybody what that orchestra is. It's the the was, Minnesota kind of is again. You're back. Part the of Minnesota it again. Youth Symphonies. I'm part of a couple of different youth orchestras now because I'm nuts mm -hmm. like that. But um, <laughs> I but this the Minnesota Youth Symphonies. Um, obviously, the 2019 to 2020 season got cut off um, really unexpectedly. Like I was at rehearsal, you know, one week. And then, you know, during the course of the next week, you know, we found out that it was all over. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so this kind of, this, this abbreviated, the abbreviated music, it means a lot to me for like, a, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, um, there are a lot of people that I really, really miss who I did not really get to, um say goodbye to properly yeah because yeah, they were seniors um, that year seniors yeah. and yeah and so i and so it's just a very uh, like having that as sort of like something to have like a something like that i remember that i did with all of these people um you know before covid started and also just like remembering the fact that there was a time when i was like squished onto the stage at orchestra hall with like a bunch of other musicians yes i could see their whole beautiful faces and you know no one cared that you know we were all on top of each other like <laughs> and just that remembering that time and like i just it's a very it's just a time a time capsule for me and what pieces were you doing that would be on this to give people an idea? Um, well, there would be lots because there were lots of orchestras. Um, well, lots, but um, there were a quite there are a few different orchestras. But the the ones that I played, um, oh my word, what what did I play in the fall? Oh well, I know. So in the fall, we played um, Lieutenant Kije, which is. Proko which Prokofiev? Yeah, just Prokofiev. You're probably not going to know that unless you're a classical musician, but I don't know. Um, and there was another piece that you definitely don't know um, that was that we gave the, I think it was like the North American premiere maybe, um, of a piece that was a Cuban piece that had been written mm. fairly recently. Recently, and um, I do remember. And that. it was it was a really it was a really special time because. Um, it involved shouting in Spanish. Thankfully, our conductor um, uh, is fluent in Spanish, so yes. he was able to help us with that, and he was very particular about the pronunciation. Conductor um, was, uh, for those of you who would like to know, Manny Loriano, who is a trumpet player for the Minnesota mm -hmm. Orchestra. And he, t so he taught he taught us all how to shout in Spanish. There was also clapping involved at certain points and stomping and. It was just so much fun, and it yeah. was not at all, like, something that we were used to. It was not, like, a style of music that any of us were used to playing. So you was know? that the one that you played at the end of the first trimester? Yes. Or was, okay, so that would mean, so your last pick would be 
a recording of your concert from the, I guess it's usually, what is it, usually the beginning of November right, of yes. 2019. That would be 2019. Got it. And then All right. The, well, and then we played, and there's also, the, I think, um, uh, when, in 2020, fe- like February of 2020, so right, we were, before right before everything, everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. Um, there's a, we played, um, Deflator Mouse, which uh-huh. you've probably heard in some, like, cartoon, if you haven't, if Yeah, it's you, a piece by Johann Strauss. Um, and, uh, Morning, Noon, and Night in Vienna, which you've probably also heard in a cartoon. Um, both of them are pretty, I remember I saw them in, like, Tom and Jerry and Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um... Amazing how much classical music shows up in some of those older cartoons. Yeah, yeah, so that's, so those are... Those are both uh, pretty well-known pieces, but um, but that concert in particular, we learned uh, we learned how to play like Viennese style, and it was very okay. hard. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really so another classical memory. piece sort yep. of ne- sneaks its way in there. Yeah, at the end. yeah. So we got uh, we got classical, we got some pop, we got some spoken word, we've mm-hmm. got a lot of different things, and Broadway, of course. Yes. All right. Well, that's a great uh, list of nine there. So. We went through the ground rules at the beginning. You were very, very good about staying very faithful yeah. to the ground rules. It might be interesting to try to get a recording of MYS, but I'm sure that we could pull some strings and get that recording mm-hmm. for you. So with this, you also get a, a book. Now, in our in our basement, we have Bibles. We mm-hmm. have books of common prayer, so you don't need to bring one of those. But what would the book be that you'd want to bring with you? The book um, would be Jane Eyre by oh, Charlotte Bronte. That, that makes sense that you would pick that. Um, I, uh, this is my mom's favorite book as uh, well. Yeah. And honestly, when I read it, I was like, I've heard so much about how good this book is. Like, I'm probably going to be disappointed because I've heard, you know, my whole life, like, oh, someday you're going to read Jane Eyre and it's going to be so good. And I was like, okay, this can't possibly be. And it was like, it's pretty good. I loved it so much. And, um, another, another story thinking about Les Mis, another story that's very, very drenched in, in Christianity in the best way. I don't mean moralism. I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, legal. I mean, a character who believes in Christ with her she heart. She really, yeah. really, really does, and it's just it's it's very inspiring, and um, and it's it's kind of tough to get through. I'll be honest, but it's but you get through it, and it is worth it. Like it's it's so good. And if I had a year, then I could just like because <laughs> it's a it's a long book. It's a long book. Okay, yeah. I had to read it like in a month for school. Yeah, and that was hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was one, I think I've told you this, but my, your mother and I, your mother and I read that aloud together, I think our first year of being married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what is the one luxury item? I can't imagine what your one luxury item would be. Okay, if you know me at all, you know what my luxury item is. Yeah. But if you don't know me... Um, my luxury item would be my violin. Would you be able, uh, and I'll, and just so you know, I'll give you a bow as well. That's good to hear. Because you won't just have to pluck Well, I'm just thinking, like, my case, so then I can, like, smuggle in some of my music, too. Sure. No, well, you know, just be careful here, because I'm going to be running security for this, and so if I see you trying to get too many things in there, but I am very pleased, and I have the feeling that if you are locked in the church basement, that... Were you to play your your violin as your luxury item, that possibly uh, Andine and Pastor Christian and Annie 
might hear the strains of your violin yeah, coming up through the some, building some and wonder what is going on down there. practicing happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that sounds like a really awesome list. I really hope that those of you who listen to this would be able to uh, maybe check out some of the music that Corey mentioned. But more than anything, it's a good it's a good opportunity for me to be a proud dad, say that I am so proud of my daughter. I love you very much. And I am so glad that you decided to be a guest of mine on the Ninth Avenue Nine. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And there you go. My thanks to my almost 18-year-old daughter, Corey, for making the trip to my studio upstairs and chatting about her pics. As I prepared this episode, I thought it might be nice to use the rest of March to focus in a bit on the youth group at Cross. So with that in mind, I will be featuring my son, Jack, on another episode later this month. To the youth out there, let me know what your pics would be and if you would want to be a guest on a future episode. Corey and Thea's Spotify playlists are linked with this podcast. By the way, both of them feature Hamilton. So, if you're keeping score, we're four episodes in. Hamilton has now been mentioned three times during the first four episodes by Chris Scanlon, Corey Bascom, and Thea Kuning. On the scorekeeping front as well, you two, Bob Dylan, Le Miserable, Lord of the Rings, and Ben Kyle have also popped up twice. So, what would your picks be? think about it and drop me a line. Whether it's to read them on a future show or to talk with me, my email address is joel at ofthecross.org. So until later this month when we hear from Jack Bascom, keep spinning those tunes and may the peace of the Lord be with you. <laughs>